Jesus' name again, we are so thrilled uh, to be uh, in your presence today. We are excited, Lord God, to hear what thus says the Lord today to us, Lord. Uh, so, Father, we do willingly uh, open our hearts, and again, we open our minds, Lord God, to be receptive uh, to your word. And we uh, then also ask that uh, you would strengthen us, uh, that you would give us the courage to follow and to obey, Lord God. Uh, Lord Jesus, touch us deeply, Lord. Uh, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that you've called us to walk by faith, and by faith, is what we shall do. We will walk according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure if you are aware that Scripture, God, wants to give you advice on finding someone to marry. So if you are not married yet, this message is for you. Say amen. If you are married, this message is for you. Say amen. If you're thinking about not getting married because you already are married, this message is for you. Uh, we're going to appear again into the life of Abraham as he deals with the ups and downs of life. So please turn with me to Genesis chapter 24. And we're going to begin in verse 1. Genesis chapter 24, and we will begin in verse 1. One of the age-old questions that we have, uh, that some of you may have had, is uh, should, uh, should our parents, uh, think about this for a second now, uh, should our parents be involved in selecting a mate for us? So in other words, do you want your mother and or your father to select a husband or wife for you? But one thing that we know for sure, before you answer that and, and maybe snicker under your voice, that as we look at Scripture, your parents should at least agree about the person that you decide to marry. Amen. We'll say that one more time. Your parents should at least agree on the person that you decide to marry. All right, now, before you uh, just automatically just turn me off, let's go to the Word of God. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son 
from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. All right, so there it is. Uh, Abraham, uh, we see he does not confer with his son first. Did you, did you notice that? Uh, Abraham did not go to his son Isaac and say, okay, son, uh, what kind of woman do you want? Okay, son, uh, you said you wanted to be like this, that, and the other. Uh, uh, Abraham didn't do that. Uh, Abraham was sitting around uh, maybe looking at television and eating a snack or something like that. And he says, you know, I'm getting old. So uh, he called for his servant to come. He says, I want you to go find my son a wife. So even though Abraham was blessed, Abraham knew something was undone. There was something left uh, within his ministry, within his household, that was left undone. Scripture tells us that Abraham, that he was old. Uh, we knew this from the beginning, but now it says he is, what, advanced in age. Uh, he had lived a full life, and, and this is very good for us. We all should want to live a full life, a life that's full of good health, and a life that's full of faith. Uh, that is something that we should all desire. But furthermore, Scripture says that uh, th that God blessed Abraham in all what? Things. Uh, for God to bless Abraham in all things means that the Lord had been watching out for him. But this is something that we knew all going all the way back to the 11th chapter of Genesis. Uh, that God had looked out for Abraham, uh, that God had called him, and because God had called him, he would make provisions for him. And we know this uh, as we watched uh, Abraham circumnavigate uh, through all the issues of simply being a human being. And because Abraham was also human, just like you and I, he had plenty of ups and downs. Now that Isaac uh, is of age to marry, uh, Abraham is concerned about uh, finding his little boy a wife. And if you are a parent, you definitely understand the heart of Abraham. You get what Abraham was trying to do. Uh, this was more important now that Abraham uh, was about 100, 137 years old or so. This was really important to him. Being much older, uh, uh, Abraham's concern moved beyond uh, from simply having a child. From simply seeing that child weaned and, and separated from his mom. And making sure his inheritance was secure. Moving beyond that to now making sure that Isaac finds a wife. And this is much like many parents who desire the best for their children. Whether we believe they are ready or not. You know, sometimes parents, uh, we make uh, plenty of decisions on behalf of our children. Parents, uh, we want a secure uh, spouse for our son or for our daughter. So kids, children, don't hate on your parents when they're looking for a mate suitable for you. Amen? 
Don't get mad at mom and or dad if they ask you, well, have you considered this person? Don't get mad, but what? Get glad. Abraham was so concerned about Isaac finding a wife, again, that he took it upon himself uh, to find uh, the right young lady. How many young people, how many of you would be okay uh, if your mom and dad found you a wife or a husband? Would you be okay with that if dad uh, told you today, you know what, uh, I want uh, there's somebody I've been thinking about, and I think I want you to marry that person. Would that be okay with you? And I tell you, you should be honored if your parents care enough to look for a mate for you. Amen? And I know some of you as parents, uh, we just say, you know what? Go ahead and find somebody and get up out of here. Uh, we also understand that at the same time. Uh, in fact, I remember uh, years ago, you know, my mother, uh, she used to all, when I was uh, like uh, starting, at, starting at about 18 years old, she used to always invite me to these weddings, right? And at first, at first, I didn't get it. At first, I didn't understand why she kept it, because I would tell her all the time, no, I don't want to go. Uh, why don't you come to this wedding? There'll be a lot of people there. I'm like, well, no, I, I really don't want to go. You know, I'm like, why does she keep inviting me to all these weddings? You know, I don't want to go to a wedding. Then I don't want to go with you either. You know, uh, if I decide to go, I'm going to go on my own. How can your own mama set you up on a date, right? You know, what was, what was wrong with me that, uh, uh, that my own mother, she looked at me and said, you know what, I need to find somebody for him. What was wrong with me and my decisions? But this is what I thought. I, 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 I believe that she was trying to set me up, so therefore anyone that she suggested to me, I admit to you openly, that I shunned, that I blocked, and I rejected uh, any suggestion of anyone she would choose is simply out of principle. The moment that she would say, you know, there's this young lady, I said, whoop, 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 whoop. Don't want to hear that now. You see, I had strict principles. And, uh, and that meant that uh, no parent could be involved in me finding a wife. Period. Amen. So when my mother would again bring up a new name, I would just say, uh, uh, no, uh, I'm not trying to go there, Ma. You see, my thinking was simply this, right? This was my thinking. And, and you let me know if I'm off track. My thinking was simply this. Okay, if my mother finds someone for me to marry, and then I decide I want to date them, what will happen if I break up with them, because at that time, uh, me breaking up with someone was probably, uh, there was a 100% chance that that was going to happen. I admit to you, at that time, there, was a, a, what, there wasn't like a 90% chance, there was a 100% chance of me breaking up with someone. So if I broke up with this person, uh, not only would this person be mad at me, but also my own 
mother would be mad at me. So I'm going to have people mad at me outside of the house and have people mad at me in the house. So when my mother tried to find someone, I'm like, no, mom, I, I don't need any help. So Abraham, he wanted to go and find a wife for his son. And I thought to myself, uh, good luck, Isaac. I hope that works out for you, brother. Uh, so one very important thing to consider is culture in this, in this story. You see, culture plays an important role in how we understand Scripture, and we know this. This is why it seems so shocking to us, at least to some of us, to even consider uh, such a possibility that our mother or our father could find a spouse for us. During Abraham's time, it was customary for a parent, especially a father, to find a suitable mate for their child. Uh, their parent would be their spokesperson in a selection and the signing of a contract. And yes, young ladies, uh, if you were to be given to a man uh, that in essence uh, your parents would receive money from someone else, that would be your dowry. But during this time, I want you to know that these uh, arranged marriages, uh, this was very common. As a matter of fact, if you are to travel uh, to the Middle East today, or if you were to go into India today, you will find plenty of arranged marriages. So what does that mean? That means that your parent selects someone for you, and you will not see who that person is until the day of your wedding. You don't know who it is. You don't know what they look like. So that means that you come to the day of your wedding, Right? And, you, and, and gentlemen, you are at the end of the aisle and you're waiting on your bride to come and your bride is all veiled up. And I, I see you now. You probably have your fingers crossed. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. It, it, it'll either be uh-oh or it'll be uh-oh. It'll be a one or the other. The question is, could you handle an arranged marriage? And then uh, this age-old question comes into play when we think of the reasons why we should marry someone. Will you marry because you are in love or will you learn to love once you are married? Which is the godliest? Which is the godliest? Will you marry because you are in love or will you learn to love once you are married? Uh, anyone that's been married for any period of time, uh, most of them will, will, will probably tell you this, uh, 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 brothers and sisters, that within the marriage that uh, when it all starts off, you're all googly-eyed, right? You uh, want to uh, connect with this other person. You want to marry this person because you're feeling, uh, you know, the shock waves going up and down your spine. And you say, I am in love. I love this person. But then after a period of time, you realize that love is more than the shock waves that goes up and down your spine. Amen? Love is more than that. You begin to understand the true meaning of love. It is not just a funny feeling that shoots up and down your back, but it is the deep love which, which cares and is concerned about the other person. You see, uh, the, the interesting thing about 
the, the goosebumps that you get when you think of this other person is that one day they're going to go away. Amen? Well, we hope they won't go away. Amen? We hope they will not go away. Uh, but one day uh, those uh, goosebumps are going to go away. Then what are you going to do? So marrying someone uh, could be based on a set of standards other than romantic love. Romantic love could be your starting point, but unconditional love should be the ending point. Amen? You see, if you do not love this person unconditionally, then uh, a romantic love can be thrown right out the window. Romantic love will mean nothing to you. Unconditional love has room for romantic love, but romantic love uh, doesn't have room for unconditional love. You see, unconditional love is based on a decision of commitment. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you look at uh, Genesis chapter 24, that there is this uh, another overarching thing that's here that is true of God uh, towards Abraham, but it's also true uh, in almost uh, in, in one sense of the relationship that we have for one another. Verse 14 in Genesis 24. At the end of the verse it says, By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. That is that chesed. Remember, we've talked about that before, that chesed. And then over here in verse 27, it says, and, and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his chesed. You, you, you see, there's this element of unconditional love, of this loving kindness from God towards Abraham that should also be true within the relationship. It should also be true. So again, we look at what Abraham's servant thought that he would face uh, trying to get a wife for Isaac. Back to verse 5 now. Uh, so uh, the servant, uh, he had his, his marching orders but then he asked Abraham, uh, the, the servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? So there is a possibility, uh, even though uh, he knew he had to go and get uh, Isaac a wife, that this lady, whoever he selected, would not be willing to come back with them. Her decision would be based intellectually and whether she would unconditionally love Isaac, whom she had never met. Would you take that chance? Would you marry someone whom you never met and then move with them to a, a foreign land? And this is why the next point is so important, and here it is. The Lord should be involved in your selection process. God should be involved in your selection process. Process. If you are not praying for the right person, uh, it is a strong possibility that that may not be the right person for you. Amen? Genesis 24, verse 12. And he said, O Lord, a God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I am standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I say, please let down your jar that I may drink. 
and who shall say, Drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed to your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love, there's a word again, to my master. Interesting uh, that we see the servant praying, but we don't see Abraham praying. Did you notice that? The servant prayed about a wife for Isaac, but we don't see Abraham praying about a wife for his son. One of the reasons that I believe that we don't see Abraham praying about this is because uh, he understood the will of God. You see, Abraham was already walking in the will of God. Now, uh, look at verse 6. We need to go back to verse 6 now. Verse 6 says, Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, whom, uh, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Uh, but if the woman is not willing to follow, then you will be free from the oath of mine. Only you must not take my son back there. We saw that already, and we see it again. Uh, you see, uh, maybe Abraham thought a suitable mate for Isaac would be a better match if she was from his homeland. It makes sense, especially when we consider uh, the sinfulness of the people uh, who lived in the land where he was, uh, that Abraham was in the land of Canaan. Remember that? He probably thought to himself, no way will I allow my son to marry one of these folks. But you see, Abraham, he was already set in his heart to obey the Lord because, why? Because what God had promised, if the Lord made a promise about his offspring, then Abraham needed to be assured that those offspring would not give away or squander all that the Lord had promised him. Say that one more time. This is, this is why Abraham was so concerned. Abraham was so concerned about who his Son married because of what God had promised him. This is why when we trace the family tree of Abraham, and when there's a choice between a selection of an older versus a younger son, many times it is the younger son who was chosen over the older son. The older son, he had uh, you, you see, he had the rights to the inheritance, but something with that older son would happen uh, because it would flow down all the way through Jesus Christ. Well, what are you talking about? Well, you, you recall Esau. Remember Esau? Esau was knocked out of contention because what? He despised his birthright and the inheritance. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Hebrews 12, verse 16. 16. And it says here that no one is sexually immoral or ungodly like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. You see, originally, it should have been uh, the, 
the family line should have come through Esau. But it didn't. That it ended up going through Jacob. What was the reason why? Because Esau despised the birthright. And this is something that God had promised the entire line all the way from the beginning of Abraham. And now that it was moving forward, you get one who was to inherit the blessings. And he says, you know what? I'm so hungry that I'd rather sell my entire birthright for a bowl of chili. God will not have you to steward his kingdom agenda if you despise his blessings. You see, this was not just about the blessing itself, but it was about being faithful to the Lord. So Abraham understood the consequences of placing someone in the family line who would despise the blessings of God. Marry the wrong person, and the inheritance of God would be at stake. Consider that. Consider that. Marry the wrong person, and the inheritance of God would be at stake. Well, what are you saying? Well, I, I, I'm simply saying this. Do you realize that you can marry the wrong person? Uh, we hear it all the time. Uh, what are the divorce uh, statistics? It says that about 50%, 49% of uh, couples, uh, married couples in the United States, that they divorce because they believe that they married the wrong person. Well, I believe, number one, they don't understand commitment, to, for starters. But number two, uh, I believe that folks, they don't consult the Lord. And I know you're probably asking me, well, did you consult God before you married your wife? Yes, I did. As a matter of fact, I, was, I had gotten so confused one time uh, that I, I, told, I told my wife, you know what? Uh, I, I just need to go fast and pray somewhere, you know? You know, because this date is fast approaching, and I'm not sure if this is the right thing. But the Lord, he assured my heart. And as you can see, uh, 30 years later, I'm still married for that. I thank the Lord, and I thank my wife uh, for uh, putting up with me for all these years. Amen. It's been a smooth ride all the way. So if this union is to be a God thing, then God should be consulted. One of the problems with people, even those among uh, folks who are in the church, is that they fail to understand the significance, uh, the significance of uh, looking to the Lord for the selection of that mate. Should you have success, all of our success, all of our success is built around the Lord himself. But then uh, we should also know that there are certain characteristics or certain standards that we should have in order for someone that we're looking to marry. In other words, we shouldn't say, uh, just simply say, well, Lord, uh, there should be some standard for us. Amen? All right. And here it is. Your potential mate should be industrious. What? Your potential mate should be industrious. Okay, let's look at verse 15. Verse 15, uh, Genesis chapter 24. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. Uh, she went down uh, to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran, this is Abraham's servant, by the way, then the servant ran to meet her and said, 
please give me a little water to drink from that, your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. Uh, and she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. Uh, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. Uh, his servant had ten camels, by the way. Until they have finished drinking, verse 20. And so she quickly emptied her jaw, jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all his camels. Uh, the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. In other words, he looked at her and he was saying to himself, is this the one, Lord? So a potential mate should have genuine concern for other folks. So if the, folks, if the person that you're looking to date, if the person that you're looking to marry don't care about anyone else other than their self, then you need to run and you need to run fast. So as we read through the passage, we probably know that a genuine concern for others was what Abraham's servant was looking for. These were the conditions that he set before the Lord to help him identify the right person. The one to meet those conditions would be the lady he would take home to Isaac. So let's get on with it, right? So is it acceptable to ask God for a specific person that will meet your standards? Well, good thing for her, the scripture says that she was attractive. So not only was she industrious, but she was also attractive. But I tell you, brothers and sisters, don't set your standards so high that nobody is qualified. Amen? You can set, sometimes set your standards so high that nobody can meet it. As a matter of fact, if you put those same standards to you, you couldn't even meet your own standards for yourself. Beware of perfection. But on the other hand, and here it is, don't just say, oh, any old living body will do, because that's also problematic. Those standards are too low. This woman, Rebecca, is her name, was carrying jars of water to water the animals. So what's the principle about industrialness? Okay, here it is. Here it is, guys. You need to write this down. If you are a man and you're looking for a woman, you need to look for a woman who can carry a 20-pound sack of potatoes for you. Amen? Say it again. If you are a man looking for a woman, uh, try to find a woman who can carry a 20-pound sack of potatoes for you. You need someone who's going to be sturdy, and you need someone who's going to be useful. Right, Pastor Scott? Find yourself a woman who can fix your refrigerator. Amen? Amen. However, if you are a woman... Find a man who has something going for himself. Isaac had an inheritance. You may just want a man who has a job. Amen? And maybe not just any old job, but make sure your man has a job, ladies. Make sure he's just not hanging out playing video games all the time. That's not good. And remember, above all things, that good looks alone will not cut it even if they do bat their eyes at you or pulse their biceps at you. Now, I'm talking about the ladies batting their eyes and the guys pulsing their biceps and not vice versa. But look at it all this way. 
How will this other person benefit your family in the long run? How will they benefit your family in the long run? If you're trying to build a family and you don't want a crazy person on your hand, don't marry a crazy person. You, come on, you already know that they're crazy when you're dating them. If you got to ask somebody else, do you think he's a little crazy? Or do you think she's a little crazy? You already know the answer if you're asking somebody else the question. I tell you, craziness is not worth, worth your effort. But trust me on this one. Uh, you don't want crazy kids, right? Uh, so if you marry somebody crazy, there is a great chance that you'll end up with some crazy kids. Amen? All right, you all better listen to what I'm saying. Uh, some of you young folks, you, better, you, uh, you may not listen to me now, but you better put a copy of this and you save this for a couple of years, four or five years. And then you go back and when you start thinking about somebody else, you better play this message and see what I have to tell you. Because then you're going to say, oh, uh, Pastor Spencer, I think he's making a little sense to me now. How will your marriage benefit the kingdom of God? How will your marriage benefit the kingdom of God? What are you talking about? You see, when, when God told uh, Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply, that they were to procreate and have a family that worshiped the Lord. So if you find a mate and you could care less about God, how would that benefit God's kingdom? You see, all these things, they go together. But then also your potential mates, that their people should also agree on you as well. So not only do your own folks agree about this person, but their folks must agree on you at the same time. Verse 49. Genesis 24, verse 49. Now then, if you're going to show steadfast love, so what happens here, uh, finally he identifies Rebecca as being the right person. He goes uh, to her people and says, I think this is the lady for my master's son. Uh, so uh, now this is what he's saying. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. You see there? You have agreement with your own family, so you're good there. Amen? But then... Their family must also agree. But, but what if it's just somebody that is in their family just a little bit off? Well, you don't have to worry about them, right? You don't have to worry about them. But your family should agree, and their family should agree. Why? Because once you get married, their family becomes what? Your family. And you're going to have to see them for the rest of your life, period. So if you don't want nothing to do with him for the rest of your life, don't marry that person. You don't want to enter a family 
that don't want you there in the first place. Again, this is important because you not only marry the other person, but you also marry into that family. Even though you may distance yourself, understand they will be a part of your family tree for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. They are there. So again, ladies, don't, uh, uh, don't go running to the first slick guy you know, that comes up to you and, and tells you that I am all of that and a bag of chips. Guys, you watch out for the young lady who can move and can, can sway uh, that you can't, you can't pay attention to anything else except for what you see, guys. You better know a little bit about them. You will never be able to erase their family from your personal history. So Abraham, he walks us through this selection of a son for Isaac. But I want us to center this whole thing where even though we have some principles on finding a mate, those are there. Here is the center of the whole message. That Abraham, he was concerned about protecting the inheritance and the blessings of God. This is what it was about. This is why he was concerned about his wife, because he was uh, concerned about a wife for Isaac, because he was concerned about uh, the blessings that God had promised him. So he needed to make sure that Isaac was in good shape. So when we think of a mate, think of God. Make sure everybody agrees. Make sure that your, your mate is industrious. Make sure they got something going on for them. And make sure that you consult the Lord at the same time. Amen? Let us pray.